You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. Well, this week, we're not getting you ready for a game, at least not the Seahawks game. We are getting you ready to kick back and relax and enjoy the bye week with the Seahawks being at 5-0. and Welcome into the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. I'm Jen Mueller and John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Have we just come to grips with the fact that this is the way every Seahawks game is going to end this year? Apparently, yeah. It's just how this team is going to be, and we're all going to be very stressed out in the fourth quarter of every game. And that's the life we chose. Well, I, now I think you're, I think that paints it as a very dark picture, John. I would argue this. Like Pete said, it's fun. It it is fun. And we have gotten a lot of practice in those situations, much like the team has. So, you know, we should be used to this coming up with that last second story with the game winning catch on fourth down with everything on the line. You're used to writing those stories, right? I am. And you know what? Fans can thank me for a reverse jinx because after Russell Wilson threw that interception, I started to angle my story towards a loss. So, you know, you're, you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> reverse. But then you have to get into, yeah, jinxing just gets really tricky, John. Yeah, it does. It's a rabbit hole and it gets really tricky. I don't really believe in jinxes to be. Yeah, that's clear. also important. Talk about the no hitter. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's also important to put out there. Hey, before we hear from Pete on what he saw in the game, what did we learn about this team in that win against the Vikings? Well, a couple of things. One is the resilience of this team, the ability to play in these close games like we just talked about. It's I get that people wanted to point to the numbers last year, scoring differential and say that's not sustainable. There's too much luck involved. But there is something real to a team that knows how to play well in these tense late game moments that has a quarterback who's so good under pressure. And they're showing it again this year. It's been a little different. They've been more playing from the lead other than this past week. It hasn't been that this past game was more the formula we've seen in in years past where they maybe take a while to get going and then need the furious comeback. The other thing that really struck me is the way this defense that looks statistically, they've not been very good. But they make the plays when they need them. That the stop of Cam Newton against New England, the the getting the interception against Dallas, and then obviously the big fourth and one stop this past week against the Vikings. So the defense knows they need to get better, but they have come through in some really big moments. You know, I'll say the two things that stood out to me both have to do with point of reference and everybody being able to get on the same page quickly. Number one, when you listen to DK Metcalf after that game, he kept using the phrase, go back to Mexico, right? Or go back to San Diego. He, he was talking to Russell and they just kept saying, let's go back there. Let's go back there. And he wasn't physically talking about that, but he was mentally referring to, this is the play that we ran. This is how we work together. Let's, let's make sure that we do that. I thought that was really cool and interesting. And then to find out after the game that Pete Carroll had at one point in time during practice, before this ever happened, stopped practice when it was a particularly sloppy day and said, look, we're going to have to restart. This is going to happen in a game. You are going to have to figure out how to restart and come out of the gate strong. And they did that on Sunday, completely looking like a different team in the third quarter than they had in the first half. And I just think when you have those shared experiences, it doesn't take an it doesn't take a lot to get people back on the same page. 
and creating either that emotion, that momentum, the motivation, whatever you want to call it, to flip the script. I, I just thought that was cool. For sure. And the experience of going through it is huge. When granted the roster turns over some every year, but when your leaders, your Bobby Wagner's, KJ Wright's, Russell Wilson, they've been through games like this and they can, you know, you go to a lot of teams and say, Oh, we're down two touchdowns at halftime. And guys might think, Oh, this game's over, but these guys have the experience. to know, no, we can come back from this. We've done it a bunch of times. We're good. And they, I mean, granted it happened a lot quicker than they probably thought, but it's that experience. Yeah, but side note about that, it is just the sixth time in Russell Wilson's career here that they have been held scoreless in a half. So that it, yeah, it that is something they had experienced far less than everything else. Okay, we talked a little bit about the offense. It was an incredible game-winning drive. I think everybody has broken that down. Two fourth down conversions, including that final touchdown. I'm going to ask you more about DK in just a little bit, but I do think we learned a lot about the defense because we wanted to see what they did against a team that was going to run the ball. And Pete said, yeah, they came out and they did what we expected them to do. They were good, man. They were good. What they what they had success with was 13 and nothing, and they were ahead of us, you know, and so they, they're they a running team. They want to run the football. They don't want to have to rely on the throwing game. That's just the way Coach Zimmer does it, and they got everything they needed. They, they played great in the first half. They had a perfect game going for themselves. Russell's sitting on the bench. Offense can't get out there, and they're, and they're staying on the field, and they're, and they're getting to run the ball. This is the game that they wanted to play, and they had their way for, for a half, and, and fortunately we turned it and, and got the thing switched. But I was really impressed with, with uh, their line of scrimmage. That they, where they had some trouble pass proning us, they, they didn't have any trouble coming off the ball running it, um, and uh, we just need to play better. Given the fact the Seahawks were allowing just over three yards a carry coming into this game, the Vikings upped that average with the performance they had on Sunday does this mean that we should be concerned about the run defense or is it just because of the Viking style of play? It's a little bit of both. I mean, give them credit. Like Pete Carroll said, they did a great job blocking it. It was interesting because actually their backup running back, Alexander Madison, had more success than Dalvin Cook, the league leading rusher. If you look at Cook's numbers, they didn't do a terrible job. I mean, he had 67 yards in the first half, but it was on 15 carries. So, um, I think this is more a give your opponent credit and there are things to fix and you will eventually get snacks Harrison in there to help plug the run. But uh, the run defense is not a big concern for me, even if the numbers got a little skewed this week. Well, I'd like to point out that even though Dalvin cook didn't have the numbers and he was injured on that first series after halftime, the Vikings did not look the same after he exited the game. It was Madison, the backup, who had a career day running for 120 yards. But Cook, there, there is something about what he does to that offense, and it took a lot of juice out of Minnesota when he left. Yeah, as did turning it over twice in two plays. Although, I'll give him credit, they bounced back well on offense and, and got it going after it looked like that game could have spiraled on him. Side yeah. note, do we think it would have gone differently with the crowd there? If yes. you get those two turnovers and get yes. three quick touchdowns and it's 21-13, what happens if it's 65,000 fans screaming? Yes, I think absolutely it's different. And I think that it's not nearly as clean of a game by the Vikings because you know that the crowd noise would have eventually gotten to one of those one of those rookies. It would have gotten to Kirk Cousins. They wouldn't have been able to communicate. Also, if you would have had the crowd noise, I don't think they would have gone for it on fourth down. They would have kicked Probably a field not. goal and made the Seahawks, of, you know, a lot of what ifs, but yeah, I just, I yeah. can't, I, I can't help but think that game might've turned into a blowout if, 
if you had the 12 zero going yes. nuts after that second turnover and third touchdown. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny because you do wait for that crowd reaction. You're sitting there, you're watching yeah. it and you're, you're waiting and, and it just feels so empty and so weird. Fans, that's another way of just saying that we miss you a lot. Indeed. And we know that the fans would have played a role on third downs and some of those big third down stops. Pete Carroll noticed that while there are still places where the defense can improve, one of the areas they're making strides is in those third down conversions. Yeah, we had our we had our best best night on third down, you know. We were we were 40 something, you know, which was that's a move in the right direction. Uh, the turnovers are huge for us, yeah. But really, the third down stops are, are, are really where we have to continue to, to work on. Um, points are down the last couple of weeks. I know it's not not a major difference, but uh, it's we're in we're transitioning and we're, we are changing right now, and, and uh, it's good. Um, I thought uh, Quentin Dunbar played terrific last night. It was great to see him back out there. Yeah, and um, I think that it was just such a unique game for the Seahawks on that front. It is nice to see different places where the defense is making strides. And I would not be surprised, John, if after the bye week, they look like a different team for lots of different reasons. Indeed. I mean, first of all, they will be a slightly different team. We've talked about this in the past with the injuries, but they're going to get some guys back. We don't know if they'll get them all back right away, but Jamal Adams should be back. Like I just said earlier, they're going to add snacks or we should use his real name occasionally. Damon Harrison, for those who aren't familiar, that is the man named Snacks, who is coming back from the practice squad once he's in shape. They'll get Rasheem Green, hopefully off injured reserve soon. So you're going to get better in that regard. But then, as Pete Carroll said, they are just making a turn. It hasn't been dramatic of all of a sudden they're shutting teams out. But if you look at what they've done the last two weeks compared to the first three, there have been signs of improvement. And then, shoot, look at what Miami just did to San Francisco. That's not a bad team. The Seahawks had pretty good success against them. So I think this defense, we've seen the way this offense can play. We don't need the Seahawks defense to be the best defense in the NFL for this team to to be what it wants to be. But if they just keep improving like we've seen the last couple weeks, I think they're going to be pretty good. Well, and I think one of the reasons that I keep wanting to bring it back to there is improvement and the Seahawks, oh, by the way, are 5-0 and is because if you look at the numbers, the Seahawks defense is on pace to give up the most yards of any team in NFL history. And there is no way, we talked about this Sunday in the postgame show, there is no way for the Seahawks to become a top five defense this year. And I don't mean not play a great game, but you cannot get the numbers at this point in time to crack that level that we are used to seeing. So I just want fans to know when you are looking at these numbers, just keep in mind, it's not just about the numbers because offense is going to dominate the league. And it's quite honestly dominating college ball too. This is a trend across the board, not just here in Seattle. Exactly. Offense is up. Scoring's up all around the league. Yards, all that has gone up. You know, there's a lot of theories behind it. There's fewer penalties being called, fewer holds. There's, you know, just the natural shift in the game is leading to more offense every year. And then it seems to be that the lack of preseason, lack of offseason workouts may have put defenses more behind than offenses. So, yeah, you're right. They're not, I mean... you can't give up this many points in yards through five games and lead the league in, in defense after 16. That's just the math isn't going to pencil out. But what they can do is continue to improve and maybe be, you know, a top half, top 10 defense over the second half of the season. And if you do that with combined with offense, we've seen. And as you said, oh, by the way, they're five and oh. So this hasn't been a fatal right. flaw by any means. So there's a, there's a lot to like. And I, I do think we're going to see it get better. 
I would like to spotlight one defensive player, Demontre Moore, who has had some key plays on defense, but my favorite play that he made on Sunday was on special teams. And it is rare Not that you your see. your favorite play. Yeah, that's Sorry, true. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> that's true. It was Pete Carroll's favorite play too, but we all sat there and looked and went, why is there a defensive lineman on special teams? Like what? And he blew the returner up. I mean, it was amazing. So I was wondering, and this was part of the conversation with Pete Carroll this week, how in the world did he get on special teams? He was drafted by the Giants when Larry Izzo was there, and Izzo was part of special teams there, and uh, he used to cover kicks for him way back then. When we first got DeMontre coming back in, that was the first thing he told me. He said, hey, this guy can cover kickoffs now. And I said, no, come on, he's too big. He can't do that. You know, and and uh, he said, no, no, where do you see him? Well, DeMontre's always been a guy with great, great energy and great juice, great motor, really a great effort player. And so that kind of all lends it to he's going to be going as fast as he can go all the way down the field. And sure enough, he lit one up uh, and on, on the hit that he made that the sidelines was 10 feet off the ground for, for those moments right there in, in that kind of culminated the, the surge that we had in the game uh, that was just, it was just thrilling. And so it was a blast. That was my favorite play of the game by far. I, I can't remember. I've been covering this team for a long time. I just can't remember defensive linemen on kick coverage for, for people who don't pay attention to that, that is incredibly rare. That, that kick team, you need guys who can run, who can fill gaps and stay in space. It's, I mean, Usually it's a bunch of defensive backs, maybe a running back, a fullback, a bunch of linebackers. You just don't see defensive ends doing that. It's, it's a rare thing, and it was a really cool play. It was really cool. And I don't like to gloat, John. I mean, I, I'm not usually one that throws something out there and then comes back around and says, I told you so. However. Take a victory lap, Jen. I did say last week that special teams was going to come into play in making sure that Kirk Cousins had to go the length of the field, we saw Michael Dixon pin them inside the 20-yard line more than once. In fact, inside the 15 more than once. And Pete Carroll even noted how great special teams are playing. Special teams have been just lights out. Uh, we have been so clean and so so uh, disciplined. Um, Execution has been terrific. The kicks, uh, the guys have been almost perfect. You know, both guys and, and uh, Jason and, and Mikey. The, the the balls Mike was dropping on him. He, he had a, almost a perfect game punting the football last night. Um, and uh, you know, we didn't always take take advantage of the field position he gave us. But those two guys, uh, in, as you said, David had a real nice play in return. We're not getting many kickoff returns. Ball's getting kicked deep so much. But um, the whole f- function of all of it is just great. Two, two things. One, that punt, I think people might have overlooked this because it wasn't a huge play, but that punt return David Moore had were windy, rainy day, big punt over him, catches it over his shoulder, running backwards, makes the guy miss. And that led to the first touchdown. They gave him a sh- not a super short field, but a good field position. And then the offense finally got clicking. Um, and then Pete touched on Michael Dixon. Dixon and special teams in general have been great all year. And he's just, I mean, that was just a phenomenal game. I love that little, um, when they have a long field, that low line drive away from the returner. He's done that twice now this year for over 60 yards both times. And that's that's a hard play to do because if you if you hit it right at the guy, he's going to have an easy return because there's no hang time. And if you hit it too far to one side or the other, it goes out of bounds and you give him good field position. So the, the accuracy and skill that has it, he's, he's a very unique punter and it's fun to watch. See, I like that you just 
picked up that storyline and you carried it forward for me. I, I didn't have to say anything more about special teams because my love for special teams has been well-documented over the last few weeks. So thank you for jumping on the bandwagon, John. Happy to help. Now, this week, we are all going to sit back. We are going to watch some football on Sunday. We're going to see what the Arizona Cardinals do because that is the next opponent for the Seahawks. But for as much as the bye week is a break from being on the field, it is not a complete break for coaches and players. This is the week that they do a lot of self-scouting so that they can make the adjustments they need going forward. We have to look at everything. This is our chance to do that. And so... uh... Uh, this is a full week of evaluations, and, and uh, it, this is a great time for us, you know, that we, we're, to be where we are and, and have a chance to look back and fix things and get better and all of that, um, as well as, you know, get a little healthier. Um, this is a great time for us. You know, and I wonder, John, if this isn't also a great time because you just had a game like you did on Sunday. Because for as much as Pete praised the defense and their ability to make those third down stops, the offense was 0 for 7 on third down conversions. Now, 2 for 2 on fourth down conversions. But you had that kind of clunker of a game, at least in the first half. So now you've, in some ways, seen it all. And DK Metcalf has seen it all. And Russell's led the team through it all. So I'm wondering if your self-scouting becomes even more accurate this week. Oh, for sure. I mean, the offense was looked darn near flawless for the first few games. And you might say there wasn't much scout, but the, the Vikings gave you some things to look at. And uh, the biggest thing they've, and this wasn't unique to this year, they've, that's a good team, a well-coached defensive team, and they make things a little tricky uh, with their coverages. You know, if you look at those four sacks early on, Russell Wilson wasn't getting hit right when he dropped back. He was holding the ball because he was, they're having a hard time finding open guys. So that'll give them something to study of, okay, what did Minnesota do that they were taking away from us? So that doesn't happen down the road, but yeah, overall, they're going to love what they see when they scout this offense. It's been really good. And then defensively, I think it's more just building off the progress they've made, especially when it comes to taking away those big plays that they've started doing the last two weeks. Well, and you know that you're going to have to prepare for a quarterback like Kyler Murray, who he can be really good. He can also look like he is a young player in the league. But as we talked about on Sunday, even though the Seahawks are 5-0 and and that feels like a really good position, you cannot let up because of the way that the playoff seedings and the bye week is given out this year. There's only one team. It is only the top team in each conference that gets that. So it is important that they keep winning and that they keep counting, particularly in their division. So. Yeah, I'm just going to say that this division, they haven't played any division games yet, obviously, and it's going to be tough. I know San Francisco's coming off a bad loss, but that's still a really good team. The Rams are off to a great start. Arizona's playing well and has a lot of talent. So there's going to be no easy wins in that division. They're all going to be hard. Yeah, Arizona has suffered a lot of injuries. We'll dive into more of that next week. There's no reason to get ahead of ourselves, but I do want to point this out. And, and I forget get sometimes because John, you and I are living this, right? When we go up to the facility, we have regular tests. We understand what the protocols are in the building. It has been a topic of conversation around the country in how do you stay safe? How do you stay healthy? And I think, I think it's of interest for fans to know that just because the the team is on a buy does not mean that they're going anywhere. And it doesn't mean that Pete is letting off the directive or the instructive to stay safe and follow protocols. Yeah, we have to be so, so tuned in. Uh, you know, rule number one is always protect the team, you know, and, and uh, this is what this week is about. It's staying in the, that, that rule number one is all about conscience and, and staying connected to team and, and your players and who you represent and all that. Everything is at stake. 
I mean, and, and why it's such a big deal is we're out of our normal routine. I, we can't practice this one, you know. This is just the first time we just got to do it. And I love practice and everything and being prepared and having a, a mentality for it. And this, this has just got to carry over from all the time we've had. Our guys will test every day in the morning, so they'll stay at least connected in that manner. Um, and I'm kind of hoping that our guys will work out and, and be around the facility and do their do their thing uh, in a fashion so that it's somewhat normal. Yeah, it, it's um, it is an off week from being on the field. It is not an off week when it comes to following the protocols, the directives, and staying safe, John. Exactly. Normally, a lot of these guys would be going home. They'd be going on vacation somewhere, going back to Mexico or Cabo, maybe if you're Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. But no, it's it's stay home. It's get tested every day. And as Pete Carroll said, protect the team, make sure that nobody's doing anything to put this in jeopardy. We've seen a few teams around the league that have had some lapses, not to put blame anywhere, but just viruses everywhere and it's causing problems. So they're going to do everything they can to keep everybody safe this week. Given the weather outside, I don't think it's going to be hard to stay inside and just just let the weather do what it's going to do. Find some football to watch, find some chores to get caught up on, which is what I will be doing. That brings us to our last question. Normally, I'm asking you about keys to a successful game. John, this week, I just want one thing that will make it a successful by week or weekend for you. Uh, you know, some chores, get some stuff done around the house, as you said, uh, you know probably go try to have a little fun maybe if the weather's good enough go hit some golf balls at the driving range some beer some beer would probably be involved i lie about that right if i don't have some mimosas this weekend i have failed however we are laying down new flooring this weekend so i'm really gonna have to time that accordingly yeah it's gonna be a success if we can rip out some carpet and install some new flooring and um yeah That'll be that. That's the fun that I have to look forward to without football, John. Great times. And yeah, and such I, I, we're, is not, life. we're not taking on anything that big around in our house. <laughs> and such is life. Well, I tell you what, we got plenty of chance, plenty of time rather to recharge, to regroup, to watch a little football this weekend and then be back with you next week to preview the Seahawks next opponent, the Arizona Cardinals. That is when you can hear the Seahawks Insider podcast once again.